Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a Liverpool Club update because several things have been happening there. Joining us is Dave Hendrick, who you may know from Anfield Index, where they have a pro option, which you should definitely opt for if you can. Uh, it's not very expensive, and you get loads of interesting Liverpool information. Dave, very glad to have you back on. Not been a quiet week no, for Liverpool no. by any decided, stretch. <laughs> we'll we have decided that January is our month to go mental. Yeah, uh, off reason. the back of that, that Torres and Carroll year. And then, yeah. And that, wait, Suarez was also that year, wasn't he? Suarez was that year too. Wow. So I, I'm hoping that with that we'll do the same. We'll, we'll sell one by two this month at least. And hopefully one of them is not Andy Carroll, who is currently linked to Chelsea, which is my insane rumor of the month. Um, we'll start with the most obvious and most uh, current move. Philippe Coutinho officially being sold uh, to Barcelona just days after the weird Nike leak situation. Just what's your initial take on Philippe Coutinho moving this window? I think it was always going to happen, Kev. Um, I'm just glad it's over. I just relief because the it it was just a cloud. It was just a cloud hanging over the club. Has been since well since July really when it all started um, in the first place. And you know, look when you sign a, a Brazilian player, the clock always begins ticking on when they will leave. They will either want that Barcelona or Real Madrid move, or they'll want to go home. Um, these lads don't really want to live in England for the long, long term, you know. So um, I, I've no, I've no grudges against Coutinho. I'm not angry with him for what he did. I, I don't like the way he went about it, but I understand it. Look, if you were given the opportunity to work in Liverpool or work in Barcelona, you'd take Barcelona 10 times out of 10, no matter what your field of employment. So the fact that he can go there and play for a, a club that are, they're better than us right now, and they, they have been for quite a while. So the, there's no way we can look at this and say, oh, well, it's a stupid move for him. It's it's the perfect move for him. Um, I said years ago that he was the heir to Iniesta in that role, that he plays that number eight kind of role, and now he'll go to Barcelona and he will be the heir to Iniesta. So I, I'm just happy it's over, and I just want us to get on now with the business of spending that money and um, and getting players in. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, there are some replacement names being linked yesterday. Uh, multiple sources were very confident Mars would happen today, only for Puel to kind of pour water all over that rumor. Also, it seems like any time a team needs an attacking midfielder, Lamar is the first name that pops up. What do you think of those two potentially and any other names that you think uh, would be suitable replacements for Coutinho? Well, Lamar is 100% the top target. Um, whether we get him now, I don't know. It might be a thing that we buy him now, but he doesn't arrive till the summer, similar to what we did with Naby Keita. 
Um, I know that there is interest in Maris, but I don't know how how big the interest is. I I don't think the Bean Sports stuff um, is true about the offer being accepted and him having mm-hmm. a medical. I don't think it's true. Now it could be. You never know. Um, there was rumors that. Uh, Leicester had told him that if a bid came in of a certain price, he could go. So he could be a cheap option, or Liverpool could be getting used to try and scare Arsenal into making their move um, because he's one of their targets to replace Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil. Um, I, I'd like Maris if, if he arrives. I think he's a good player. Uh, I really want Lamar. I think he's going to be an incredible player. He was brilliant last season for Monaco. Not as good this year, but he's been injured um, and playing injured for the majority. But uh, there's a couple of other names out there. Uh, Nabil Fakur F- uh, from Ooh, yeah. Leon. He's been linked. Uh, not not kind of any mainstream press, but a, a few people I know uh, reckon he's a target. There's talk we will use the money in part on a goalkeeper. Allison from... Roma has been linked. I think he's excellent. Um, Jano Black from uh, Atletico Madrid, he has been linked, but he has a £77 million buyout <laughs> clause. Now, we have the money to do that now, so if we ever did want to do it, now would be the time. But um, I, I don't see that we would go for that. Maybe maybe Alisson. Jack Butman's another one that's been mentioned. Um, and there's been a couple of defenders mentioned. Manuel Akanji from uh, Baal. But again, he'd be one we'd buy now to to bring in in the summer. Yeah, that all definitely makes sense. Uh, more on the tactical side, how do you think this will affect Liverpool's tactics um, through the end of this season? Um, I think we'll become a little bit more direct in terms of the playing at a higher tempo because I if if we don't sign anybody, I think Oxley Chamberlain is the automatic kind of replacement from within the squad. Um, he obviously is a much quicker player than Coutinho, plays the game at a higher tempo, not as creative, but can be creative in different ways. Um, so I think he would just step into the midfield. Or if we did buy, say, Riyad Mahrez now, what could well happen is we would go to a four four two with Mahrez on the right, Mane on the left, and Salah and Firmino up front, with a midfield two of Emery Chan plus one, likely Genie Wijnaldum, potentially Captain Marvel. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's possible we could just change the shape and just try and overwhelm people with pace and, and, and a direct nature. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham used that kind of muddled attack to really confuse defenses. If you were doing that with that many pacey players, it would cause even more problems. Um, you just mentioned Emre Chan because for those that are wondering, you know, it seems like this Coutinho conversation is winding down. It's because there have been three big news stories already for Liverpool. One obviously yeah. being Chan signing a pre-contract with Juventus, which... He hasn't signed it yet. Oh, interesting. He has apparently agreed it but not signed it yet. I have to say, I'll be furious if we let if 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 we allow him to leave, um, because I think he could have been a mainstay in our midfield for the next seven or eight years. I think he's got huge potential. I think he's already one of the best midfielders in the league. He's been excellent of late. He was brilliant last season, brilliant the season before. So it's just it's it's stupidity on the part of the club. They've allowed it to get to this stage. Mm. Um, and it's our fault. With Coutinho, 
like I said, when you buy a, a Brazilian, the day he arrives is the day you start the countdown and when he goes. And we got five years out of Coutinho, which is probably more than the average. Um, with Chan, I thought we could have him for 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, we've had him for four, or well, three and a half at the moment, but we'll have him for four. Um, he's still going to be a big player, though, for us. And I've seen people suggest that, oh, we shouldn't play him now if he's going to be agreeing pre-contracts. Well, first of all, we have to because he's our best midfielder. Mm. Secondly, he needs to play well between now and the end of the season because he wants to go to the World Cup. And that German squad, Kev, that is a loaded squad in midfield. Look at the talent. He has to play well to get in that squad. So he'll be giving it his all between now and the end of the season, regardless of what his future holds. Yeah, it is very interesting uh, that he has not actually signed it yet. But assuming that he did, um, you and I have spoken at length in the past about Juventus' ability to sign players on free transfers, um, something that they do better than anyone throughout Europe. Um, On the Liverpool end of this, though, why do you think that the fan base never fully embraced Chan despite his talent level? I don't know. I think part of it is because there's some bigots in the fan base. Part of it is because of how he looks. Um, Part of it is that Brendan Rodgers made it clear he didn't really want him at the time. And there's still a few Brendan Rodgers loyalists hanging around. Um, But anyone with any real sense, anyone who understands the game, uh, understands that Chan is a really good player. But we had the same thing with Sacco. Like, there was a whole Sacco versus Lovren debate, which... It's just it is hilarious. Because Sacco's <laughs> right. a good defender and Lovren's one of the worst defenders I've ever seen. And the same thing applies to Chan and Jordan Henderson. Chan's a really good holding midfielder and Jordan Henderson is the worst holding midfielder I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, he makes Lucas Leva look good and Lucas Leva was atrocious in that role. Yeah. I mean, it's so, just not Henderson's position and he's questionable at his thing. own position. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a solid to a semi-decent footballer. Like, he has talent in limited amounts. He's really good in that off-the-ball, box-to-box role. But when you ask him to be on the ball constantly, he's just terrible. He has no, like, there's no bravery in his play. Um, And he's, uh, defensively, he is an abomination. Like, positionally... Just doesn't know where he's meant to be, always at a position, can't track runners, no awareness, doesn't understand what's going on around him. Like, we're so much better defensively with Chan, and we're better going forward with Chan. So there's no real debate for who should play that role. Um, With how many attacking midfielders you have, and Chan, I... My sense of it when you initially signed him was that he was supposed to be the defensive midfielder. Obviously, his game evolved out of that. Um, Do you think that there could be an upside here and that seeing the back of him, as much as you and I know how talented he is, uh, that maybe replacing him with a true defensive midfielder, knowing that you already have Kaita coming in, might actually improve this midfield? Oh, it could. It could for sure. But the issue here for me, Kev, is... We have a finite amount of money to spend. We have multiple needs. We need a goalkeeper. We need a partner for Van Dijk. We arguably still need a left, starting left back because you just can't really trust Albi Moreno. Um, we need a Coutinho replacement. We need a backup striker and we need a backup winger as things stand. So to do all that, that's going to cost a lot. Now you add in an extra 40 or 50 million to replace Emre Chan. Yeah. 
and now we're having to cut corners elsewhere. Like we can get by without the left back. That's fine. Moreno yeah, and Robertson, Robertson has looked good in his in his yeah, recent they, matches. They'll they'll get us by, and maybe, maybe they'll improve. They should improve with Van Dijk because he made Bertrand look good. So I'm assuming he will make both of them look much better. Um, but a goalkeeper is a must, for example. Now, if a holding midfielder then becomes a must, and we only have forty million to spend on one or the other, you know what do you do? Like. I I would rather I would rather see Carius playing goal and buy say Ndidi from Leicester as the holding midfielder mm. or Dendonker from Anderlecht than for example buy an Allison in goal and play Jordan Henderson or split it and go with a twenty million pound holding midfielder who might be good in a year or two and a twenty million pound goalkeeper who at that price the best you might get is Alban Lafont, who's the young keeper uh, in France. I think yeah. it's Toulouse. Now he's he's incredibly that's a decent talented. shout though. I mean, he's incredibly talented, but he's he's eighteen he's not years of age. Yeah, you know, you, you really want to be handing the keys to the kingdom to an eighteen-year-old and saying, "Right, son, in you go." Now, with with the likes of Wit Van Dyke sat in front of him, and if if a Kanji comes in, that's two commanding centre backs. So maybe, yeah, maybe you could get away with it. You look at. Um, what Donnarumma is doing at, at Milan now and he doesn't possible. he it is possible and he was doing it with worse defenders last year than what mm. what we would offer so possibly I mean you could do it that way um, I'm not sure what kind of level of holding midfielder maybe a Sander Burge Ooh, um, interesting uh, in the holding midfield role yeah. he has huge amounts of talent and so maybe you go and you grab those two but, but the problem is like I'd be in favour of that you could buy them you develop them in the team. Um, but the problem is Liverpool fan base is just so fickle that they'll just whinge and moan, oh yeah, signing kids to to develop them with, and sell them on and, and there's no you know, ambition and all this kind of crap mm. and they won't have any patience. The first time one of the kids makes a mistake, they'll scream, they'll shout, they'll throw their toys and we just end up ruining another great young player like right. we, we did with Markovic and, and many others down the years. We just... Yeah. You know, our fan base doesn't have that kind of patience. Now, it's understandable. We haven't won the league in an awful long time. Um, you you can kind of relate to that, I'm sure. But, yeah, um, yeah like for me, I, I just would have liked to have kept Chan. I would have given him his buyout clause and said, fine, buyout clause, but it doesn't kick in till 2020, so we get at least two years out of you. And in that time, we'll find a replacement. Because then you could, say, buy your goalkeeper and Allison, for example, and then maybe in six months buy Sander Burge and just develop him behind Emery Chan mm. so that in tw- in 2020, when someone comes in and pays whatever, 40, 50 million for Chan, whatever the buy it would be, we already have our in-house replacement. Um, like I now, I, you could do it in the summer. You could, if we could have kept Chan, sell Henderson, use that money on Sander Burge and just develop him behind, um, behind Chan. That would have been my ideal kind of succession plan Mm. But Chan leaving kind of screws that. Yeah, and on your timetable for those that don't know who Sander Burge is, you will by 2020 for sure. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. This this kid is is truly special. Yeah, um, and then he he plays for that. You know, he's coming out again. So it's the it's the club that has produced so many excellent players: Thibaut Courtois, Courtois, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Um, Milinkovic-Savic, oh, Wilfred Ndidi, so you know, like all these yeah. guys came from that club 
um, by either through the academy or were bought, developed, and sold. So you know he's the next in the uh, off the uh, the assembly line. Yeah. Um, the other big story of this window, uh, Virgil Van Dyke officially comes in. Uh, no tampering this time. <laughs> officially at the club has already played a match, which we'll get to immediately after this. Um, we spoke about the Van Dyke signing after it happened on a, a full Premier League show, but we didn't happen to have a Liverpool guest on. The two main things we talked about was, one, how much does this fix Liverpool's defense? And two, do you care about the price at all? Or, or in this post-Neymar world, are we also kind of in a post-price world where bringing up costs of players just kind, kind of seems silly uh, based on the numbers that are being thrown around? Interested to get your take on both. Look, in in a world where Philippe Coutinho goes for £143 million, £75 million for Van Dijk isn't really all that outrageous. Mm. Um, we, it is, it is like you say, it's the post-Neymar world of football. It, it started with, with Pogba. Um, and Neymar then was just ridiculous. And there's obviously the Mbappe deal, which will go through this year, where... PSG loaned him uh, with it with an, <laughs> from with a rival. It, yeah, with that, that's the thing. Like from their biggest rival, with an agreement to buy for 168 million, um, that most ridiculous transfer. And somebody should be looking into that transfer. FIFA, if you're listening, have a look, lads. Something's not right. <laughs> um, but it is. It's just that's just what it is. But look, Kev, at the end of the day, there are maybe nine or ten truly elite centre-backs in the world. You guys have one in Toby Alderweireld. This is the only other one who plays in England, Yeah, in Virgil van Dijk. I believe he's the best centre-back in the league. You probably would go for Toby. Either way, it's them it's two and then, a, and then a big gap and everybody else. So, you know, he's 26. He's the most dominant centre-back in Europe when it comes to winning ball, the ball in the air. He's brilliant on the floor. He's quick. He's an organizer. He can score goals. Um, he's everything you'd want in a top class centre back. Look, if a 26 year old Rio Ferdinand was on the market, he'd be going for that kind of money. Mm. Van Dijk, I believe, is a better defender than Rio Ferdinand was. He doesn't have the defense, like the mental lapses that Rio had. And Rio was Rio was fantastic, but it took playing with Nemanja Vidic for Rio to really reach that level. Van Dijk, I think, is a cross between the pair, between Vidic and, and, and Rio. I think he's worth the money. Um, he doesn't fix all our problems, but he will fix a lot of them because our biggest problem was Dejan Lovren. He is now no longer a problem. Um, he will make Matip better. He'll make Joe Gomez better. He'll make whoever the left-back is better. He'll make the goalkeeper better. Like, even saw it in the Everton game. He was screaming at Carrius, letting him know where he was meant to be, letting him know what he was needed to do. And that's what we need. That is exactly what we need. Um, we just need to find a, a proper partner for him now. And then all of a sudden our defence looks a lot better because Joe Gomez has been really, really good this yeah. year. For me, he's the right back for the next 10 to 12 years. You sign that partner. Oh, from are you not thinking he'll ever move back centrally? I think he'll move centrally when when Van Dijk leaves in seven or eight years. Okay. I don't think he'll... Because if, like, if we're going for Manuel Akanji, who's 22... I don't think there's a plan there to move Gomez central because mm. Akanji is only two years older and, and will uh, will command a starting spot. Um, I think Klopp really likes Gomez at right back. Um, so say if we have 
at the moment, like we have Gomez and Van Dijk, that's, you know, half of a, I think, a great defense. Sort the right side center back role, sort the left back role. For me, Akanji and Kieran Tierney from Celtic would be the two I'd like. Um, now there's guys I'd like more than Akanji, like, um, Jimenez from Atletico Madrid, yeah. but his buyout clause is 65 million. So unless we can wait and get him in two years and a free, um, but we're, we're getting there. Like this does transform our defense because our left backs have looked good this year. So that's not a problem position for us at the moment. If Matip can just not be stupid and just be, just be sensible and solid for the next five months, our defense is going to be good for the second half of the season. Is that the pairing that you're expecting us to see most often? Van yeah. Dyke and Matip? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, based on form, you'd want it to be Van Dijk and Clavan, but the problem is they both play the left side. Um, so unless we're playing yeah, the three, yeah, but Clavan can provide the assists that Coutinho was taking with him to Barcelona. Well, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Ragnar, the playmaker. Um, I, I like Clavan. I think he's. I think he's been good. And for what we bought, we bought him to be a four million pound fourth choice centre back, and he's been our best centre back this year. So um, <laughs> I, th- I think he's. I think he's proved his value to us. Um, but I think it has to be Matip and Van Dijk. I think the pairing just works. Um, just their attributes kind of match up nicely with Matip's more sweeper type play. Van Dijk is more of a step out and command kind of guy. So I, I think they'll, they'll fit really well. Matip has good pace as well, which fits with Van Dijk having good pace. Mm-hmm. And they won't, they won't be too easily beaten. And Matip is one who needs a leader beside him. He needs someone to talk him through games. He'll get that now with Van Dijk. Um, and like I said, the biggest bar, biggest bonus of this is, is much, much less Dejan Lovren. <laughs> of course, that is something most Liverpool fans are delighted to hear. Um, I mentioned and alluded to earlier uh, Van Dijk already having an impact. Of course, you had a Merseyside derby in the FA Cup this week. Um, Van Dijk scores the winning header. Obviously, not exactly why you bought him, but you mentioned his aerial dominance was a big factor in the purchase of Virgil van Dijk. Uh, what were your takeaways from that Derby win? Um, that Everton are terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think we've, I think we played quite well. Um, we were a little bit blunt up front, but I think defensively we looked good. Pretty, pretty okay in midfield. Alana had one of the worst performances I've ever seen by Liverpool player, but you know, he's, he's only just back from injury. So he's getting a free pass from all corners. Um, but I thought we played okay. Um, we controlled the game. They didn't really show any real want or desire to win the game. I think their whole plan was to try and get a draw and get it back to Goodison. Um, Allardyce is just one of them, though, isn't he? Like, you know it's never going to be a nice game when you're playing a Sam Allardyce team. It's mm. always going to be a little bit dour. Uh, the referee bottled the biggest moment of the game. Um, when Mason Holgate should have been sent off for what he did, you know he purposely tried to injure a player. That's a red card all day. Um, then he made an accusation against Firmino, which has been, you know, is pretty much unfounded. It's pretty clear what Firmino said to him. Uh, I just don't think Holgate understands basic Portuguese, um, which isn't his fault, obviously. But um, that that kind of <laughs> don't we all? Him a little bit. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That sparked the game a little bit, and I think I think the winner was coming. Um, we'd had a couple of good chances, 
before that, Gomez had a good chance, Van Dijk had a good chance. Um, all of, all from Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, set pieces, by the way. They're, they're quite impressive. But, um, yeah, like the, you couldn't write, like, I, I said this to somebody the other day. If you were to make a movie of the Van Dijk move to Liverpool, starting with him agreeing to join last summer, then you had Tom Werner opening his mouth and causing all manner of problems. Southampton screwing us over late in the window, uh, having previously agreed to, to sell the player to us. Um, the whole sort of waiting period then between September and, and January. Then he finally gets his move. Everything's great, makes his debut. And like the perfect end to that movie would be him scoring a winner at Anfield under the floodlights in a derby at the cop end. You just couldn't write it any better. Yeah. So it is, it's the, it's the storybook ending for Van Dyke. And I think he's going to be a monster for us for years. I think, I think he's, he'll be captain by the summer and I think he, he'll be, he'll be lifting some silverware in the near future as well. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, Adobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. That's something certainly all Liverpool fans would like to see. Um, I do, with you on, I can't just uh, waste an opportunity to get your take on a few other non-Liverpool things. Uh, The first one, you and I had talked a lot about a potential Barkley move to Tottenham. My quick uh, take on it is that we were very willing to sign him in the summer. We thought we could convince him to do so. Chelsea came around swinging their wallets, and so now he is there. Uh, what do you think of Barkley's departure from Everton, who, as you mentioned, did just get beaten in that derby, uh, and heading to Chelsea, where there will be a lot of competition for any of those central midfield positions? Um, I think it's a good move. I think Spurs was a much better move for him. Um, I'll explain why in a second. I think Chelsea's a good move for him, though. I think there is competition in midfield. I think he'll thrive. Under that with that competition, um, you know, Bakayoko and and Sesk are, are there partnering Kante. Um, I think he can get himself in that team, and I think he can do really well. Like it, Kante has a track record of developing midfielders. You look at Marquisio, you look at Vidal, you look at Pogba. They all kicked on leaps and bounds under Kante. So. I do think he'll do well there. Um, it's a little bit of a strange move because, oh, they have drink water as well, of course. So And Loftus-Cheek coming back on loan at the end of the year. I don't think he's coming back. I think he's leaving. I think he's going to be sold. I think Palace um, would be a decent move for him if he wanted I to have, stay. I, I have heard rumours that Liverpool are very, very interested in Loftus-Cheek. And he is very interested in the move, apparently. So... Um, I would be in favour of getting him to Liverpool. I think he's very talented. 
don't know that he starts for us, but he'd certainly be a great addition to the squad. Also, based on track record, get as many Chelsea rejects as you can. Exactly. Sign all the Chelsea rejects. That's just <laughs> a very, very simple um, path to glory. Um, I think Barkley would have been better off at Chelsea, at, at Spurs rather, because I think him and Wanyama in midfield would have been absolutely dominant. I Monstrous. think they just would have run themselves over teams. And he's obviously very close friends with Deli Ali, and I'm sure he's friendly with Harry Kane from the England setup. I think he would have developed better because I think he would have gotten more games at Spurs. I think you're going to sell Sissoko in the summer. And if you don't, you're all crazy people because he's atrocious at football. Mm. Um, how he has 50-plus caps for France, I will never understand. He has been One, a little bit better this year, but obviously not Barkley level by a stretch. Yes, a little bit better than, <laughs> than a dumpster fire. He has basically just been a small fire in a trash can this year. <laughs> um, like, I don't know that, that Dembele has a long-term future at Spurs. Um, he seems not to be a favorite of Pochettino anymore, which is weird. Oh, but, I, I don't think it's uh, a falling out by any stretch. I think just his hip, uh, you know, is catching up with him career-wise. And so yeah. we're just being precious with how we use him. Well, like, if you had if you had Wanyama and Barkley and Dembele as your third midfielder, who could play with either of them because Dembele can play multiple roles in midfield and so sure. can Barkley, then that's that's a loaded midfield. And you then also have the option of playing Eric Dyer there, um, though I think his best position is as a backup centre-back, really. Mm. Um, he's a bit too limited on the ball for my personal taste. Plus, you've you you've got young Winks. Yeah. So there's your, you know, you've got Winks and Dembele behind Barkley and Wanyama and Dyer as your, you know, break glass, yeah, break glass in case of emergency kind of guy. Um, that's a fucking loaded midfield. So if you'd paid the 15 million for Barkley now, I think you would have got it back for the, uh, Sissoko in the summer because someone will pay it from like, you'll find some mug in Turkey or Russia or somewhere that'll pay it for him. Um, because he's like, he's, he's a well known name. And a lot of these clubs, they just want to sign well known name. Like he could sell him to China and probably get 25 million for him. And I'm sure he'd go because the money would be unbelievable. And he's at yeah. that point in his career where, he needs that one final move to, you know, you know, like just stabilize blow up the bank financially. Yeah, you know, yeah, stabilize himself and his kids and his grandkids. Probably if he went to China for four years. Mm. Um, so I think he would have been better off. I think the Spurs style of play would have suited him better because, you know, if you look at the role Dembele was playing a couple of years ago, where he was the one who picked the ball up and drive and link the play and be kind of a, a deeper playmaker behind what Ericsson was doing in the more advanced role. I think Barkley would have been so well suited to that. I think Barkley has a little bit of bastard in him as well, which I really True. like. And I think he would have just flourished next to Wanyama, who's got a whole lot of bastard in him. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I just think that the Spurs, I think Spurs have made a mistake here that they will regret. Um, I don't think he's as nailed on to be a success at Chelsea, but I think he will do well there um, as long as he gets his opportunities. But um, it's it's a weird one for Everton. I mean, this is their their homegrown boy, the one they said was mm. going to be their Steven Gerrard. And I understand why he turned the move down in the summer because I think if he'd gone there and sat for four or five months while he was injured, I think it could have just become a very weird situation with an awful lot of pressure on him by the time probably he wouldn't have really came. integrated. No, that's exactly the thing. Whereas now he comes in fresh and he's pretty much straight into training, I believe. So um, 
I don't think it was a purposeful move by him or his agent to cost Everton 20 million, as has been suggested by some. I think he just felt at the time that it wasn't the right move and things have changed in his in his life. And, you know, I, I, if he wasn't going to Spurs, I would have loved to have seen him go abroad because I think he could have benefited hugely from yeah, going. Yeah, he's one of the English players I think, yeah, could, could have yeah, done like, well in Europe. Juventus, if you weren't such bastards, you just could have taken him and not Emre. <laughs> And he would have given you an awful lot of what Emery will give you, you know. But um, and he would, have, I think that move would have just suited him down to the ground. I think he could have become a great player. But um, it's it's a you know it's a good good pickup for for Chelsea, for Chelsea. But I think Spurs will regret that one, Kev. I know I know what you're yeah. saying about in the immediate, but like Spurs are a club that always kind of plan long term, and I think just you would have got so much out of him over the next five years. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I, um, Jamie, who who is our Burnley representative, saw my whole diatribe about why I'm not that bothered about losing out on Barkley. He was like, uh, didn't want him anyway, attributed to football fans. Um, would have liked to have him at the club, obviously. Um, but yeah, series of circumstances, and now he is a Chelsea player. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is uh, Mark Hughes being sacked at Stoke. I've been mentioning it on the show since late September, early October about how there was just nothing in this team that I thought they did well. They weren't really playing for their manager. Basically, if a goal went in, they gave up on the match. Uh, what do you think about Mark Hughes departing from Stoke as their manager? I think it's about time. I really, really do think it's about time. They have been absolutely appalling this season. And I really don't understand how, because there's loads of talent in that squad. Zuma and um, Bimmer should be such a good pairing. Yeah. But yet he keeps trying to Shanghai uh, Ryan Shawcross in. And Ryan Shawcross has been a great servant to them. But Ryan Shawcross is finished. He's done stick a fork in him and put him into a championship team. He's done at the Premier League level. There's no... Like, you could play Zuma, Vimmer and Martin Zindi as mm-hmm. a three. Yeah. And... The balance is perfect because you've got two brutes in Zuma and Martin Zindi and you've got a ball player in, in Vimmer yeah. who could sweep behind them. Um, you could play a combination. You could play you know, Zuma and Vimmer as a two if, if that was working. We mentioned that in the summer, Kev, they needed to sign a right back and the, they, the first thing that a new manager needs to do is go and find a right back because the right back situation there is appalling. But you look at their squad, they've got an excellent goalkeeper. Um, in Jack Butland. They've got some talent in midfield. Um, Joe Allen is there. Uh, Sophie is there. They've got good wingers. They've got okay options up front. Like, not particularly good. Okay mm. options up front. But their second like, best striker is currently their right wing back, which yeah. is not usually ideal. <laughs> no, exactly. But, like, there's just there's a weird sort of imbalance with that squad where it's like a little bit of talent and a little bit of oh well it's still Stoke like why are they still paying Stephen Ireland money like why are they he hasn't he think he's played one game in the last like two years or something yeah Charlie Adam like, also I believe Charlie Adam why is he getting money like Eric Peters is a good left back uh, Glenn Johnson is atrocious Berahino has talent we all know that it's just about finding a way to make it work. Something is wrong there with him at the moment. Hopefully the new manager will be able to sort it out. Uh, Chupo Matang, Matang is good. 
Uh, Jesse's a good player. Josh Timon's a good young left back. Yeah. Charlie Adams, woeful. Biram Juf is, is a solid player, but like you mentioned, he's playing as a wing back. Like, Jeff Cameron's okay. Shakiri's very talented. I didn't understand the signing of Darren Fletcher because he looked done at West Brom last year and they signed him and he's an automatic first choice. Um, and Mbula they just gave up on and sent him away where when he looked, he's the type of player that would have suited Joe Allen really well as a yeah. partner. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand what they did with their squad. There's talent there, but there's too much of the old Stoke. So hopefully the new manager isn't from One the, of same, the same vein. six names over yeah, and over like, again. Let's let's hope he's not from the Moyes, Pardew, Allardyce, Hodgson kind of school of thought. Let's hope he's someone that can I just say? A, fortunately, yeah. it can't be because all of them have already all been of them given are jobs. Employed. That's it. And thankfully, Pulis took a job um, with Middlesbrough, so it can't be him. Yep. Um, Gar- Gary Monk is out there, and it would scare me if I was a Stoke fan. Um, do you know Paul Clement mightn't be a bad shout to go there? Mm. I think because they they will have a bigger budget than Swansea. True, I and think they, have, they have a bit more continental. Players yeah, ex- exactly. Do you know, and like he knows he he knows those players. Like he he he's aware of what goes on outside the Premier League, unlike some of the others. <laughs> um, you know, like if if they were being ambitious, maybe Eddie Howe. If they could convince him to leave Bournemouth. Or maybe go back in and offer Marco Silva a ripcord because he was riding high when Everton were linked. And all yeah. of a sudden, if you're Marco Silva with your recent performances, are you confident you're going to be Watford's manager next year? Well, especially with their track record yeah. of bidding managers off as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, Mark, that Marco Silva would fit really well there. And I think he'd get the most out of those players. I think he's got a good eye for, for talent as well. And he's good at shoring up a defense, and as we just mentioned, the talent is there defensively. That's that's very true. Very, very true. Just find a right back. That's all you need to do. They have the left back. They've got a couple of good left backs. They've got three – they've got two good center backs, one decent center back, and a has-been in Shawcross um, who could do a job in certain situations but should not be starting. Like, um, They're the second most surprising team this season, Kevin. Actually, well – it depends on how you count Burnley. But, like, I thought Stoke could have a pretty solid season. I thought they'd done okay in the transfer market. I thought mm. they'd be mid-table, you know, safe. Uh, West Brom are the only one that shocked me more. Like, I, I, don't understand, I don't understand what's happened at West Brom. Yeah, as Dan it, said, he thinks this is the most talented West Brom team he's ever seen. Yeah, and these it is. Are the results they had a getting. brilliant transfer window. Like, brilliant transfer window. And... I don't know, because like, they started the season, they looked good, they won their first couple of games, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be a good season for West Brom, they'll, they'll be top half, and I, they've, I, don't think, I don't think they've won since, have they? They haven't won in like four years or something at this point. <laughs> yeah, I believe, like, I believe statistically you. that's correct, yeah. <laughs> Pard you, like, why on yeah. earth? Like, like, it's almost like Palace were like, right, De Boer hasn't worked we need a safe choice. Who's the safest choice we can get? Mm. Oh, I know who the safest choice we can get is. Get me Roy Hodgson on the phone. <laughs> and then West Ham, Village, yeah, no more of these foreign managers. Let's get a nice English man, or a nice British manager in. Who's the most reliable British manager out there? David Moyes, get him on the phone. Everton sack Koeman. Actually, Ronald Koeman for Stoke would be a decent fit. Yeah. Also, when you said uh, Village, I was like, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and De Boer. 
I think he's taken a job though. Actually, I think the board took a job somewhere. Be wrong about that. Oh, um, very good idea for him taking it mid-season because the whole starting a season with the team has not worked out for him lately. No, exactly. Whereas when he took over, um, when he took Inter- over Ajax mid-season, oh, yeah. uh, he, he went on to win multiple league titles. No, mm-hmm. he has not taken the job, so he is available as well. But um, yeah, and then like Everton appoint Allardyce, and then it just like West Brom. It's like they were linked to some like proper names that you'd be like, that's yeah, that. Uh, who's the one that I think he's in Sweden? He's a uh, Baxter. Yeah. Something Baxter. Yeah. He would have been, yeah, no, he'd, he'd have been interesting and he'd be interested for Stoke as well. Um, but yeah. And all of a sudden it's Pardew. It's like, what? Like you literally could not have gone out and found a worse pick for West Brom than Alan Pardew. Yeah, the guy who calls himself the king, like what a wanker! <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think Kuman, I think actually Ronald Kuman or or Billich would be good fits there at Stoke. Kuman uh, would sort the defense out fairly quickly. Um, he did a lot for Fraser Forster in in developing him. I think he could do the same for Butland. He helped Van Dyke massively. I think he could do the same for Vimmer and for Zuma. Mm. I'm sure he's got a right back that he knows somewhere in the back of his mind. Mm-hmm. And then you put Eric Peters at left back, and all of a sudden that's much more solid. Then you find a partner for Allen in midfield, and you're sorted. And they've got the talent out wide. Shakiri is is really, really good. And you know, there is there is talent there. They just yeah. need to stop being Stoke. Yeah. And getting with Mark is that is an important first step. Mm, they like West Brom very much need an identity and fast. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. if any uh, people making decisions at Stoke are wondering, you may want a player a little bit above this level, but I'd be willing to allow Kyle Walker-Peters there on loan, get him Premier League minutes, give yeah. you at least somebody that's an actual right back. Yeah, that's a good shout. It's a very good shout. And the fact that he's an attacking right back mm-hmm. would balance well as well because they need... They need more width. They need more pace and penetration. They don't really have that coming from Glenn Johnson, who I'm not sure isn't dead. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, Dave, absolutely a pleasure always catching up with you. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Um, Anfield Index, uh, free podcasts, and the AI Pro subscribers um, area. Incredible stuff there. Interviews regularly with the likes of Jan Mulby, Peter Beardsley, um, other pre- uh, former players, Paul Dogleash is a regular as well, um, talking about tactics and stuff. I do a lot of the post-match stuff uh, with Trev Downey, doing some scouting stuff as well. It's a five a month. There's a there's a four there's a a seven day free trial. If you like it, it's a five a month or fifty quid a year. So mm. sign up. If you don't like it, bin it off. If you do like it, it's well worth it. Yeah, definitely agreed there. Be sure to get that. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out. Uh, hopefully you can catch a breather uh, with Liverpool, although I trust you won't because there will be replacements immediately uh, on the mind. But uh, thanks again for coming on. And people at home, thanks for listening.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.